reading from the book of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight He has made known to us the mystery of his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will so that we who were first to set our hope in Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. The word of God for the world. Those are wonderful words, but not the ones we're going to be talking about today. (laughs) Uh, Actually, as you know, we got back late Wednesday night from Cuba, and... um, as I was looking over the Ephesians passage, as wonderful and theological as it is, that's not where my heart, mind, and spirit are. And actually, though, one phrase in there that kind of lingered and whirled around, swirling, was this incredible phrase, in the fullness of time. Did you hear that phrase? Something we don't talk about a lot. And today, with all the experiences that we had, I wanted to sort of bring out that phrase in the fullness of time. However, this is not a typical sermon in that I'm not going to be basing it on the Ephesians text. I want to, speaking of time, one little story. On Friday, last Friday, when we were in Cuba, we traveled from Matanzas to uh, Colorado, where our sister church is. And it was about a um, five-hour drive at least. Um, not the straightest roads, or flattest. And um, we get there, worn, and we are hungry, and they feed us. Actually, we first go to the hotel, and then we go to their community and um, they feed us this amazing meal, which we feel very undeserving of. And then they, they proceed to say that they do worship on Friday night. And about a minute before it starts, Raphael, the pastor, says, and by the way, you're preaching. 
So Herb, you warned me. Where are you? <laughs> um, however, I was uh, speaking of time. I, in a typical American way, I said, well, I haven't had time to prepare. And, and so it, it really, be, with a lot of other experiences, began to, to sort of unfold with this, this phrase about the fullness of time. And something that's been on my, my mind and spirit in these 10 days. So I want to bring this to you today. And for those of you who are visiting with us, um, I am on a stool, not because I'm pregnant, although that will, we will get to that probably later in October. But this, I sit on a stool, and we have a microphone that will pass around in a minute because we have a conversational sermon about once a month or every five weeks where we invite you to participate in the unfolding of God's word. So we welcome that. Whether you're a visitor for the first time, you're welcome to speak. Slowing down is not just a cultural thing. It's a spiritual thing. In... Dorothy Bass's book, Receiving the Day, she has this great line about time. She said, for most of us, time is there to be used. And when we waste it, quote unquote, we feel guilty. We delude ourselves into believing that if we can just get everything done, if we can only tie up the loose ends, if we can even once get ahead of the crush, we will prove our worth and establish ourselves in safety. And then I love what what she says, which really speaks to our culture, I think. Busy people may think that what we need is a few more open boxes on the pages of our date books. Or it's a little dated, we may say our Google calendar or whatever. But in fact, that would provide only a flat and short-lived remedy. And not only because those boxes would soon fill up like all the others. What we really need is time of a different quality. This last 10 days, I have experienced time of a different quality. And I'm going to be speaking in generalizations, and and Wednesday you're going to hear specific reports and pictures and stories, but I'm going to just kind of brush stroke in general ways. One, for those of you, I've said this before, but in Greek there are two words for time. There's chronos time and kairos time. And chronos, of course, is where we get the word like chronometer. Chronos means counting. It's a way of measuring time, counting time, which is really the way that we use time. But in Greek, there's also the word kairos time. And it's not about Latin time, which I enjoy, or American time, but it's God's time. It's about in the fullness of time, what Ephesians is talking about. When Jesus says, no, no, it's not time for me to go to Jerusalem. You notice that phrase he uses, it's not my time. In Greek, the word there is kairos. 
for me, the difference between Kairos time and Kronos time is the difference between using time and time that is full in the fullness of. Let me give you an example, of course, and then I want to speak to a few things and then ask you a question. Jesus was the ultimate example in slowing down. Living in Kairos time. Not just because he existed within it and outside of it. But even the last sermon I preached here a couple weeks ago about the hemorrhaging woman. What other person would stop in a crowd who touched him to take note and have a conversation? That's a ministry of Kairos time. Or at 12, we know when Jesus was 12, we only know a few experiences of Jesus before his uh, ministry began at 30. And one of them is he in the temple, in the synagogue, teaching. And his parents have already begun in a caravan on their way home and realize that Jesus is back at the temple. And they're frustrated. Why? Probably because they had a reason to get home. Like us, we have a reason to get somewhere. We're under time pressures. But Jesus, what does he say? Do you remember the phrase? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? That's Kairos time. And of course, we know in several of the Gospels accounts of Jesus spending time with children. He says, let the little children come up to me. Even though the disciples say this, they didn't say this, but essentially, if we could read in between the lines, the disciples say, they're a waste of your time. You have people to save out there. Of course, Jesus has a different way of saving I love, of course, the parable of, of Jesus of the laborers who work in the vineyard. The one who works for one hour gets the same pay as those who work all day. Apparently, in the kingdom of God, time functions differently. So this morning, I'm just going to share a couple of examples from Cuba about why I'm even bringing this up today. For some reason, in Cuba, the meals feel more sacred. And let me tell you, it wasn't because of the rice and beans, because we had those for every meal. But it was because, in part, it was because of the great sacrifices they made to, and the beautiful presentation but more importantly, what we, we experienced there is that they had the ability to slow down and eat together. And the last day that we were there in Colorado, our sister church prepared a meal. And it wasn't just for us. The whole church gathers once a month to eat a meal together. And after we had eaten... <laughs> You know, here we disperse after we eat, right? We have, again, places to go, people to see. But there, they just sat around. I'm like, what are you sitting here for? And then they pull out their hymnal, and they start singing. 
not for five minutes, not for 10 minutes, not for 20 minutes, but they kept going and singing just because it was fun. The whole experience of sharing a meal was sacred because they allowed time. They allowed the fullness of time to do its work in us, to allow for deepening conversation and relationship. In this culture, slowing down didn't just mean taking time for a meal. It also meant slowing down for prayer. There was a very gravely ill woman named Margot who actually passed the day we arrived here. But when we got there, Raphael said, we were all talking, he says, oh, we got to stop. And they, instead of saying circle up, they say, get in a watch. He says, and we need to pray for Margot every 20 minutes. And I thought, that is an interesting use of time. And yet they did, and they were consistently praying for her and for others. And the, and the sense that I received from even their time in worship where they shared prayer requests, it wasn't just, you know, this person's sick, that person's sick but the sense that we have enough time in our worship space to share our needs, to make connections, and to hear from one another. Slowing down is not just a cultural thing. It's a spiritual thing. And finally, before I ask you a question, (laughs) slowing down for them meant creating space to help one another. Before I left, I had lunch with Stan Dotson. He's a member of Ecclesia Church in Fairview. Some of you know him. He's been among us. And he lived in Cuba for a year. And so, you know, Herb and I went and had lunch with he and his wife, Kim, and said, hey, what do we need to know? We have questions. (laughs) And he said, well, let me just tell you this one story by Lazaro, who is an artist and... um, part of the ecumenical center there in Matanzas, he, he asked Stan before he left, he said, Stan, is it really possible that people in the U.S. don't know their neighbors? Stan said, oh, yeah. And immediately, Lazaro said, then how do people survive? There's this great sense, and you'll hear more about this on Wednesday because I'm just kind of, Again, giving brushstrokes that the people are intricately related and connected and make time for each other. And, you know, on the one hand, I thought, you know, because of their, it's almost like we have this sense that because of people's poverty, they're more generous. It, it doesn't work that way. I think that's one way of understanding it. But I think a deeper, fuller way for me after experiencing that was their understanding of time is different. In the Kairos time that they exhibited, they make time for one another, not just because they're poor. But they have eyes to see when people have needs, and they lean in to one another. They are able to see the face of God in one another. This is what 
time when we don't use it, but rather open as a gift, allows us to see God in one another. So I want to ask a question. I know it's been a long ramp-up. I want to ask a question, and Phil's got the microphone, and you may need to think about this for a little bit. But how does the way we spend our time relate to our faith? How does the way we spend our time relate to our faith, or does it? Or what, another way of saying it is, what does the way we spend our time show about our faith? Evan? I think I tend to spend my time more with people more like me rather than my neighbor. Mm. Thank you. Where your heart is, your treasure shall be also. What I learned this spring with all of my um, sojourn in the hospital was for much of the time before I had gone in the hospital, I was always using time to say, the next thing I've got to do, the next place I've got to be, I wasn't really satisfied to just be in the moment. Mm. And I grew a lot because I didn't know from one moment to the next. Um, There wasn't much I could do, but I had to learn how to be in the moment. The world uses up our time, and we make faith an afterthought in time. I'm pretty good at trying to manage time, and um, the more I can let go of that and let God be in control, the more faith is guiding me. really realize how much I value time. The time of the people that come to visit me. The time that they showed so much love. And it showed me how much time that I have left just to visit. That's the one reason why I'm here today. Hmm. That's what time means to me. Most of you know that Holly and I just spent about two weeks in Montana, and it's so spread out that you don't go anywhere fast. <laughs> um, and I, when, when you began talking about the fullness of time and that you were going to be talking about time this morning, I thought, gosh, how, how appropriate. Um, I had incredible time. Um, There are no words to describe the kind of time I was able to spend with family, 
this week. Um, I thought I could do this. <laughs> While we were there, my dad lost um, a brother in Washington. It's his third sibling in less than four months. And uh, he flew to Seattle and then back to Montana where we were. And, and he was only gone about 36 hours. But I think we all realized how precious time is and what God has given us with, with the time we had to, to soak in his, his true majesty. Um, and not just the majesty of those mountains there, but the, the majesty and the awe of the, the time we have for family. And I just realized this morning how much I really appreciate and really soaked in the time I had with family. Um, my dad's 83, and so every moment I have is precious. Wanda? There are studies that are done that um, will ask you to list your priorities, what's important to you, and we probably all can do that. But then they ask you to look at how you use your time, and it usually doesn't doesn't jive. And uh, I've just spent the last week plus being in a situation where I didn't wasn't even sure what was coming next, um, let alone having any impact on how I spent that time. And um, that's. As James said, that's a, that's a growing experience. You, you learn more about yourself. And um, as you talk about holding outcomes lightly, Julie, that, um, that we need to do, a, certainly from a faith-based place, if we're looking at what's important to us, we need to make adjustments. I need to make adjustments. The best memories that I have as a child <clears throat> are going to my grandmother's and my aunt's house and sitting around the kitchen table with lots of people who were their friends and listening and talking. Mm. And I can't, you know, I have not done that in 50 years. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad. Mm. Mm. I just have a prayer. When Julie said, receiving the day, and I think that's going to be for me each day, isn't it? Oh, Lord, help me receive the day. Amen. I think, oh, somebody back there. We think of being quiet and still as wasted time. And yet, that's the time that God speaks. Thank you. So, oh. Yeah. Julie, uh, I know I, there's so much on my heart and mind that I needed to say. 
And I just only said just a smaller bit, but it's really not what I really wanted to say at the time. I just think of the time that since I've been here and all the wonderful things, all my brothers in Christ have taken me up under their wings and they was there for me, especially my brother and my friend Hunter and his wife, Susanna. Think about Mr. Herb, you and my mother, you his wife. Think about you, Julie. I think about all of the members here, James, Ruth, so many more in here. Y'all just took me up under your wings and just shared all, give me all of your time. Mm -hmm. And even if I needed a ride, there was someone there to take me. I just wanted to share Coach, you, you have given your time to me. Mm. And I praise and I thank God for Phil. This is my brother here. He's there for me, him and his wife. Robert, his wife. <sighs> Lee, <laughs> your husband. He just bring tears to my eyes. I can go on and on. I just thank God for you all. And I just want y'all to know this. From the bottom of my heart, I love you. And I thank God for you each and every day. Thank you. Thank you. Pray for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> a perspective. Um, you say, how do you spend time? Um, the perspective I try to keep is um, my time is not my own. My money is not my own. My schedule is not my own. And so there may be times I may have in this church something to do, but someone needs to talk to me, and I will stop because my time is not mine. There may be money we may have set for something somewhere, but, but if you or God, whatever, you know, if something comes to my heart that may need our funds, you know, like Cuba, um, it's not mine. And so, so for the perspective of... of, of Time, what I what I remember is um, it's not mine. So if he calls me kind of like a soldier. If, if 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 he says go over here, go over there, my job is to say yes. So that that's how I that's how I see my time. Um, I'm I'm under his authority, and um, there there should be there is, but there should be no argument on my part. My job is just to say yes, sir. I think it is, it's an interesting um, perspective shift, which is why I'm bringing it today, because I've, I've lived it in a different way in these last 10 days. And, and want to ask the question, is this possible in our culture to live in Kairos time? And, and not just, it, that's a yes or no question, but, <laughs> but um, how can... What I contend as a spiritual practice is slowing down. How can we slow down? Is it possible? Is there enough time? You know, we do a lot about abundant, abundance versus scarcity and talking about in God's kingdom there is enough. And usually when we talk about that, we're talking about resources. And, and typically we think of physical resources. There's enough money, enough everything for the kingdom work to happen. But 
I think it's harder for us when we start talking about time. Can we believe in the abundance of God's resources when it relates to time? Is there enough time to live in a way that receives the day as a gift? How do we do that as a community? How do we do that? Okay, hold on just a second uh, so we can hear you. I I would say that uh, we really have to examine how we use that time. Okay. We should, uh, we're always going to run out of time. Is it because we chose too many things that we want to do or too many things that Christ wants done? Maybe that simplifies it. It doesn't answer it, but it (laughs) might simplify it. James? It brings up something that reminds me of what Paul said and all the things that he had to do and went on. He said, this one thing I do, pressing on to what's before, forgetting what is behind. There is a focus that comes, not that all these things aren't wonderful to do, but we cannot do everything, so we need to find the one thing. And if we're open to that, God will show us what that one thing is that he wants us to do mm-hmm. at whatever time or place we find ourselves. I'm wondering if there's a difference in the stages of life regarding time. Um, I am a little more free to be to think, to concentrate, to pray, than the Beasleys are. <laughs> I mean, How do you feel about that? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm just thinking that um, you know, there, there is a shift in perspective as you are freer. What do you, great thing to bring up. What do you all think about that? Uh, Anne, and then Anne Smith. Um, well, I have been thinking exactly what you said, Jane, and, and it's hard when you have three um, children and careers. And <clears throat> but I do um, believe that just like our resources, or time is one of our resources, and all of our resources are blessing. Um, you know, coming coming off of some of the time, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, we've spent together as family. It it is hard though. It's hard on a weekly and daily basis to prioritize everything: your resources, your time, um, their time, um, and. Maybe I don't have a thought on that, but, um, you know, we need some prayer toward that, I think, how to, how to manage it and how to give it to God and give up that control. Thank you.
one thing that strikes me is that that I fall into this trap of dichotomizing my life to where you know this is the sacred this is the secular this is the family this is the job Um, I really believe if we can get that holistic perspective everything we devote our time to can definitely have a spiritual element to it it's not that it's not that I've got to somehow ignore a lot of other stuff so that I can have more time to stare at my navel and, uh, or whatever. It's, it's doing what I do in the time that I have and seeing the sacred in the ordinary. Mm. Yeah, well said. Oh, we run out of time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, just, no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Oh, who's next? Oh, she's next. Gotta wait. You know, it strikes me that, that some of us who have learned early in life about tithing mm. because we trust that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that he is, has enough. And so we, we learn to tithe because we trusted him. That's our money. But it's the same in every other area of life. Mm. We just don't think of it that way. Great point. <laughs> that, that is pastor. Um, uh, three, three G's come to mind to answer, can we do this in the American context? Is that your question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, need, um, you need a grieve, you need a goal, you need a guide. Grieve. So if you live out this Kairos life, um, um, pulling yourself away from the American philosophy of succeed and possessions, that means you're going to grieve money that you may not have. You're going to grieve these dreams that you're told, your culture said you're supposed to have. You're going to mm. grieve maybe some personal time because it's not yours. And so there's some grieving that has to happen. To say, and, and that's, as you say often in your messages, looking at the cross, there's a death. There's a death that will have to occur because we are a new creation in Christ. So there's a grieving. The second thing is a goal. It is why. We don't want to let go of things. We're human beings. And so, so the goal is a deeper relationship to God. The goal is um, we get more of him. And so if we give away more of our money, we get more of him. If we give away more of our time to minister to others, we get more of him. Uh, uh, we get free. You know, as just said a second ago, we get freer. That's another goal. And a guide, it is, it is him. Um, he, not only is he our guide and our goal, but when we let go of these things, when we have less money, he is our everything. And so when we have less money, less time with other folks, less bigger houses, cars, whatever it is, the only time we're satisfied is, is on him because the, the one verse um, left out of, of what you're saying is from John, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. He is our rest. So, so I, we grieve, we have a goal, and he's our guide. That is how I believe we can live into the kairos in the midst of this culture we live in. Thank you. Um, I want to... Oh, I'm sorry. I can't I was, see. 
<laughs> Pat was supposed to keep my mouth shut, but she didn't do very well. <laughs> but see, I think part of this time is God gave me my job. God gave me my friends. God gave me my church. And those who know me know that God gave me my dogs, that we can do a, a service. So if I really surrender to him, am I not giving him all the time? I want us to practice something together. Time is not the enemy. God gave us time. It is a gift. And so it's not that we live thinking time is illusory. But rather in time, my prayer that we could practice together and help each other is the way in which we live with time. That we could practice together. We all have the same amount of minutes and seconds and hours in a day. But I pray that together we can practice Kairos time, which means that we don't sense, i got to get to the next thing. It's a, it's a way of living that's, that puts away the future and the past and lives in the present. And says, what is this, the gift of this moment? And so I hope, can we practice that together? That we, I know it's not Lent, so we're not fasting, but I thought about this, and I thought, why don't we fast? Let's make a goal, speaking of goals, to fast from hurry. Fast from hurrying. From hurrying from moving our mind or our body to the next thing without receiving the moment. Let's try it. Let's practice and, and, and maybe together we can come back and talk about that experience as we go through this. I want to I conclude with a poem, of course. Um, this is one Michelle has introduced to me. Um, that we're going to do in the prayer and discernment group on Wednesday. It's called The Slow Work of God. Because I want us to slow down. And maybe we can slow down if we realize that our God is also doing slow work with us. And so here's the poem. It's beautiful by Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. And this will conclude our time. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. Yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability, and that may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. 
Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Do not try to force them, as though you could be today what time, and that is to say grace and circumstances acting on your own goodwill, will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming in you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you. And accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Trust the slow work of God. Amen.